I remember I was actually brought into a Texas high school to speak to students one day. And I don't think the people who brought me in really knew anything about me, knew kind of the premise of what I was going to talk about. And so they introduced me to the students. And I remember them saying, hey, this is George Kuros. He's from Canada. And he's going to talk to you about social media for the next part of the day. And as soon as they said that, the students just groaned. They're like, oh, seriously? And it clicked in me that they thought what I was going to talk about for the next 30 to 60 minutes was don't do this, don't do this, focusing on all the things they shouldn't do in these different spaces. So I actually started off the conversation and I said, hey, do you all know what cyberbullying is? And they're like, yeah. I said, okay, great. Don't do that. So here's what we are going to talk about. And so what I actually got them to focus on was how do we lead? How do we actually use these spaces to not only make our lives better, but the lives of others better? And if you think about the cyberbullying talk that is given in so many schools, what is the best case scenario from that process is please don't be horrible people, which is kind of a low bar. But when we are focusing on leading, when we're focusing on how we could actually elevate not only our world, but the world of others, that's a much higher aspiration. One of the reasons I wanted to bring this up today is because of this conversation I just had with Kelly Croy. He's an awesome educator. He's got his own podcast, The Wired Educator, and he wrote a book called Unthink Before Bed. And it talks about how we deal with anxiety. You know, it's really good for a, a kid's book. But one of the things we talked about was an article he recently wrote on really kind of focusing on how do we actually, you know, lead and actually help people if they're dealing with situations on bullying. We talked about innovation. We talked about anxiety, how we deal with these things, how we can see some of our perceived weaknesses as strengths and how we utilize this. We had a great conversation. I've known Kelly for a long time. I know you're going to really enjoy this podcast. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful day and thanks so much for being here on another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. Hey everyone, this is George Kuros. Welcome back to another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. I'm so blessed to have Kelly Croy uh, back on the podcast. I know him and I, we've connected for years and I've been on his podcast and I was like, have I been, have you been on my podcast? Because we've just talked so much. So I, I just didn't even realize that. And, and Kelly is actually uh, director of innovation uh, with, is it Port Clinton? Is that the yeah, Port Clinton. in Ohio? Yep. He's probably like, he's so glad we're recording because I just started talking sports with him and he is like, just start recording. So we talk education. So um, I know he's done uh, several different things um, and he's got his own podcast called The Wired Educator. Uh, you can also check out his uh, own website and blog at kellycroy.com. And we're also going to talk about his kid's book, Unthink Before Bed, a, child, a children's book on mindfulness. And I'm, I'm really excited because like you have a pretty special co-author right on this is that's right dog. my big, dog jedi yeah I'm a, I'm a big dog guy too so kelly <laughs> kelly's probably sick of me talking about dogs and, and sports too so kelly thanks for being on the podcast if you could just kind of introduce who you are what you do today and how you got there i think it's a great place to start yeah thank you george thanks for having me on the show and i love talking with you um you know your newsletter I feel like I know you because I, I read it and, you know, I respond to you quite a bit with questions and you're always so kind to, to reply. And things. So I feel like we've had a, a great friendship for a long time. Yeah. Uh, my, my educational story, I was a seventh grade English teacher for 26 years, greatest job in the world, 
And uh, I was recruited to a neighboring district to become their director of innovation and instruction. I've been doing that for seven years. I've been hosting the Wide Educator podcast for quite a long time. I've had 233 episodes. Uh, excellent guests like George Kuros and Jimmy Casas and you name it. I, they've been on the show. And I really uh, love that time, you know, an hour a week spending with an amazing educator. Uh, helps me get better, helps me help other people get better, helps my district get better. And then, uh, you know, I got a creative side too. I like to draw and I like to write. And uh, so I blog and I've written a couple books and, uh, you know, you were gracious enough today, George, to help me out with some ideas on how I could possibly get some more speaking invitations and things. So I appreciate that. Well, yeah. And I, I'm like, Kelly, uh, just, we were talking about this before Kelly reached out to me asking me for some advice on stuff he's doing. And I'm always glad to help. And Kelly has been so gracious, not only with me, but I know with tons of other people. So I was glad to do that. Uh, I got a couple of questions for you, first of all, and you know, yeah. I'm obviously pretty excited about innovation, right? That's kind of my thing. Right. Um, I love that you were an English teacher recruited to do like a director of innovation job. And one of the reasons why, and I talk about this all the time is that people will say, Oh, tech, you know, innovation technology they're you know, like they're separate, you know, they're not really, they're, and I'm like, not, you didn't really do that because typically the people that are the innovation people in districts are the tech people that we just changed your title. Right. Like, right. like director of technology to a director of innovation. And my argument's always been is like, why isn't your curriculum person, the yeah. innovation person, right? Cause we're, it's really about how we look at new and better ways of learning. So how did you see like your role as, you know, as an English teacher really kind of, you know, moving towards that, that role of director of innovation? Well, I'm not saying this just because I'm on your show, but I think your book, Innovator's Mindset, I think that's that's really the right approach. It's a, it is a mindset. No, I really mean yeah. that. Yeah. So like, you know, I love literature. I love writing. But no matter where I was, like you could put me anywhere in the world. Like if I was at a hospital, I was looking around the hospital for ideas on what I could bring back to our school or our, our classroom, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this, this uh, doctor's walking around with an iPad, you know, doing clinical notes and stuff. We should have that in our schools for our, you know, for our special ed education department or guidance counselors. Um, you know, I went, I remember one time I went to a car dealership and the car dealership guy had a name tag on, on the back of the name tag, it kind of spelled out their mission and their culture statements right. and stuff. I'm like, I'm bringing that back to the school. And so I think when I was tapped out by another district to become the director of innovation, they'd already seen the ideas that I was collecting. And so you, you kind of, before you're a leader, you lead, right? That you, right. That's why you, that's why you get selected to lead. And I think, you know, I was thinking drones, you know, in the English classroom and right. my principal was like, you're crazy. You know, that's not where drones go, but uh, it really is your mindset. And, and I wanted to engage kids. I knew what they were interested in. I was interested in it as well, but uh, you know, technology shouldn't be, Technology should be woven and embedded in everything. Mm. And a lot of, a lot of innovation just isn't technology. It's systems. It's, mm. it's a way of thinking. It's, it's um, who do we need, you know, what positions we need to create and things. So it's a mindset. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you an example of an innovation and you kind of alluded to it. And it's something that um, was advice that was given to me to think differently. Um, when people are moving into administrator positions or want to, they're applying for assistant principal, directors, things like this. And you mentioned that, you know, they already saw you leading. Uh, I tell people that are applying for those positions, find the leadership standards, wherever, whatever they use, 
and then actually show how you're meeting those leadership standards in your role as a teacher right now. And so basically you are saying, I'm already doing the stuff that you're asking for in my current role. And that right. it, it's interesting. Cause I don't know, like maybe that was just intuitive to you. That was advice that had to be explicitly given to me. And it was like, Oh, I am like leading already. I am meeting these standards because now you become a sure thing. So that was advice given to me by my mentor, Kelly Wilkins. And it, she's, and it was kind of like the, the analogy she used was the idea of like dress to the job you want, not necessarily the job you have. And so like create, you know, those spaces to the job you want, not necessarily the job you have. And it's not that you don't love your job that you currently have, but you're already kind of meeting the standards that are expected, you know, in those different positions. There was one thing that yeah. you said that I, um, I thought was interesting that kind of stuck out to me was the idea of, um, how you doing your podcast makes you better for your district. Oh yeah. And I, I really like that because sometimes people see like, here's Kelly and he does his job and then he's like doing the side stuff <laughs> that has nothing to do with his job. But I feel like blogging, podcasting, all of the stuff that I've done, you know, when I was working in the school district, um, it really helped me even, I know this sounds weird. I know that you speak and you, you work with other districts. I used to do that because I, I wasn't full-time because I was speaking on the side and the way I kind of justified it. And my superintendent understood this was when I go to these other places to speak, I'm not just like speaking and leaving. I'm like, going to sessions. I'm checking out other things and right. I will take stuff from other people and they paid me to come there. Right. <laughs> so it costs, it cost, it not, it costs you nothing for me to go and then bring some of these ideas back. So like how, like, can you give like a, like a, an example of like how you doing your podcast has actually benefited your own school district? Oh yeah, completely. Absolutely. That's the first way I actually look at it. So hmm. uh, whatever I'm writing about, or whatever I'm interviewing about, probably what is or was a challenge in our district. And so I think out of 233 episodes, only one time did I agree to interview somebody who contacted me. I go hunting for people to interview and I, I base it on what our biggest challenge is. So right now, one of our biggest challenges in our district is uh, we want our educators to be better informed about what it means to be trauma informed. Hmm. Uh, but with teaching and learning. So I'm scouring articles and I'm scouring books and, and Twitter and everything else to find uh, someone who is that expert. And I'll reach out to them and I'll set up an interview and I'll ask them the questions that our teachers have. I'll ask them the questions that our leadership has and we'll actually apply them. And then sometimes we invite them to come to our school or, uh, you know, we'll do follow-up questions and things. But uh, countless times uh, I can think of you know, the biggest problem that our school district has faced, uh, I went out and found an expert, interviewed him on the podcast. Uh, Louisa Motes is probably one of the figureheads of the science of reading. Um, Kendra Van Doren is our, our Baton elementary principal, and uh, she was working with her teachers on the science of reading. And so I reached out to Louisa Motes. Kendra sat with me and three of her teachers, and we interviewed her with real questions about uh, in the classroom that were impacting her teachers and everything. So um, we've done that again and again, and I'll keep doing it. So the podcast is really a way for me to connect our district with experts. I, I feel that's such a, yeah. that's such a, like talk about innovation, right? <laughs> like talk about that 
you're, you're getting content. You're, you know, you're, you're, you know, sharing your stuff, sharing your work with the world, but then also I, I love that to be honest with you. I actually, I, I, I was not the answer I was expecting. <laughs> I, I love that. That was a, that was an awesome answer. So hopefully someone here uh, picks that up because I think there is a, a great opportunity to connect and learn. Like I, you know, I, sometimes people reach out to me. I, I reach out to a ton of people and um, you know, I like, I own my own publishing company, but I actually never limit my, like the people I talk to by only people that have written books for my company. Right. I, right. I, almost, I don't, I actually love promoting other people's books and things like this. Cause I don't think it takes, I don't think anyone says like, I only have, you know, enough for one book. <laughs> and so I'm going right. to buy someone, you know, I think that it, it's, and if they do, and they decide to buy that one, that's what works best for them. And I think that to me is, you know, that, that there's no, it only helps me grow. And I think yeah. that if we can help shine a light on other people. Um, and, and that also will help us too. So I, I love that. And speaking of books, right. And I didn't publish this one and I'm gladly promoting because I, I love, um, the focus here. Um, you have a, a children's book and it's called unthink before bed, a children's book on mindfulness. And I'm <laughs> I'm thinking about how this would benefit my kids right now. So, um, tell me, tell me about the book. What is it about and what are you hoping to achieve with it? Sure. So, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of, uh, the person who will share all my feelings with you. So forgive me if I go too far, but yeah. I suffer a lot from anxiety. You know, I worry a lot, you know, like after this interview, I'll be like, what, what did George think when I said this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's just the way my brain works. And then unfortunately, uh, you know, I saw it in some of my students and unfortunately I see it in my, my own daughters as well. And I still struggle, but especially at nighttime, especially Sunday nights, right? The Sunday scaries, your week's getting ready to come at you. And I try to write uh, things and interviews and, and share things that help other people. That's kind of my whole thing. You know, how, how can we get better? And I thought I have a lot of conversations with my daughters about the week you know, like how to get their mind right for the week. Mm. I thought, man, some of these ideas should be kind of documented and <laughs> in a fun way. And I love to draw cartoons and uh, I love my dog Jedi. And so he's a lot of fun. So what uh, Jedi and, and I sat down to write a, a rhyming book at bedtime that teaches, you know, if it's read regularly, teaches children and adults. If you look at the Amazon reviews, the adults say it was, it was meant for them as well. Uh, how to prepare for your week, you know, lay your, laying your clothes out and, and having everything ready. So your mind's not rushed around in the morning, uh, what to think, what not to think about and how, how to change your mindset and focus as you're laying down for bed, mm -hmm. um, focused a lot on breathing and different things like that. And then of course, in the background, Jedi is doing silly little things that kids love to see. But, uh, I love the comments that have, I've gotten back about the art, about the, the writing, but mostly about how it's helped people. And uh, it's helped adults and it's helped kids. I'm really proud of it. It's a fun book to read. Mm -hmm. There's a QR code in the back that if you scan it, um, I'll read it to you. So it'll take you to an audio recording of me. Awesome. I like to tell people I've been putting kids to sleep for 34 years. So uh, <laughs> you can could, you could listen to it as well. Um, I put the book in dark mode. So every page is black with the art on it. So kind of like a phone when it goes into dark mode. And um, I'm really proud of it. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I'm awesome. working on another book uh, illustrated with my dog about attitude. I don't know when it's going to come out. I guess when it's ready. But uh, I think it answers some questions. And I think it helps parents, too. Um, they don't know what to say to their kids when they're anxious. You know, like just they basically I've 
I think people say, don't think that. <laughs> and right. there, there really are steps that we can take. And so in the book, I kind of, there's 10 I go through that kind of prepare people um, for a night of rest. And so that's how the book came to be. And, and uh, I'm real happy with it. Always, ever since I was a little kid and learned how to draw, I wanted to create a children's book. And oh. so I'm really, really happy with this. Yeah. I'm glad my dog's in it too. Well, you know, the, so, and everyone check out, check it out. It's in the link down below Unthink before bed, a children's book on mindfulness. And I've talked openly about anxiety that I have. And, um, yeah. it's the same thing, but the, there is a, it was a, a Gladwell book, uh, in, I can't remember the title, but I'll link it down below as well. And it's focused on the story of David and Goliath. Like that's kind of how it starts off. And the mentality of the story of David and Goliath is David is the underdog and Goli and he beats this, you know, this favorite in Goliath. But when he actually kind of talks about it, well, David was actually very quick. He's very fast. And what was the perceived weakness is actually a strength, right? Yes. Actually, Goliath was like kind of doddering, couldn't move around very well. Right. So the mentality of like this. And so when I think about my anxiety, one of the things that's really important to me is I think sometimes when we have anxiety, it like scares us from sharing for the, for, to the world. And we tend to hold stuff in and the way I kind of look at my, I know, and this is a very personal thing, right? This is not, I'm not saying you should all think like me. I'm just saying, this is how I, um, how I, I don't want to say deal with it, how I utilize it to be honest with you is well, my anxiety, it really helps me think about how, like what other people might think and trying to understand their perspective. So when I write, I am very cognizant of like, Hey, what, what could be the argument against what I'm saying and how do I address it beforehand so that you're really trying to think about that too. So that, that a lot of that process is through my own anxiety is like trying to get in other people's heads so I can kind of deal with this too. And it, the, the thing I've often talked about is when, when I write, I try to do a 360 degree view, like what is going to be the pushback to what I'm saying and how do I address it? And I actually think that comes weirdly enough from my anxiety and that, that Gladwell book, I probably wouldn't have said that before I read that, but it was like, and it, it's a, such a good book, not only for our own things that we might struggle with, but how we see our students, because sometimes um, we, you know, oh, this kid has ADHD and they're super hyperactive. And it's like, well, how do we actually utilize that? Like there's, there's parts in that book where they talk about, um, a lot of CEOs are dyslexic and their dyslexia actually made them pay very deep attention to detail, which is why they are actually beneficial for those positions, which I thought was a really fascinating way to look at things. So I, I really appreciate that because I know as someone who deals with that and I'm very cognizant, I'm always, you're always a little bit nervous. You, you, you don't want to pass these things down to your kids, but you know, yeah. reality. so I really appreciate this. Now I want to ask you about uh, a, a blog post that you, you just wrote and you will, you can share this in the link down below. Um, you talk about the, the title is what everyone needs to know about bullying and how to get on your life when, when a bully steps into it. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about, I, I actually want to know why you wrote this first and then what it's about. <laughs> sure. Cause like sure. When, so, I write, when I write stuff like this, it's me being mad at somebody like somebody yeah. did to me. Is that, did that happen to you? Or is this like, yeah, I, I'd say there's some truth to that. Yeah. Uh, one, I was a middle school teacher and, uh, I saw a lot of, uh, at least a fair amount of students and, and families who shared, you know, they would 
say, hey, my kid's being bullied. And so I want I want to talk about the difference between when somebody's being mean and a jerk and who's really being a bully. But there is some bullying going on. And I wanted to offer some help of what it was. I felt bullied sometimes when I was a kid, a lot because my name, Kelly, which I talk about in the post. Um, this is a resource that I refine each October and share out because that's National Bullying uh, Prevention Month. And um, I just think, like, I know, like, I got a freshman in high school right now. And I don't, she is not being bullied at all. But there's some pieces in this post that really help parents on how to talk to their kids about when they're having low self-esteem. And I really believe there's the two um, the two fixes for bullying is one is leadership, creating more leaders in your school and, and helping people become leaders. And two is self-confidence. You know, when you're feeling good about yourself, it's really hard uh, to take other people's hurtful words and, and uh, have pain. And so, you know, we have a lot of conversations with our daughter, a lot of what I use in that post about how to reframe and, and get a better mindset about certain situations and what people say to this day, I'm still the kind of person who, analyzes somebody's facial expression or words and you know what they mean by that and and i i overthink it a little bit and um that's what this post is about so it's really to help create a conversation uh, with parents with schools with kids about you know the perception of being bullied the actuality of being bullied uh, how to become more confident um, how to think differently and i even address a little bit about you know devices use which i do and unthink before bed as well yeah. You know, device devices should have bedtimes, I say, you know, <laughs> and so right. uh, I, I think that's all important. So that's that's why Absolutely. I share the post each year. Yeah. And uh, really get a good, good response each year. This year I updated it a little more mm. with some of the social media work um, because I really do see a lot of kids just on their devices a lot. And um, there's a lot of pressure, you know, there's a lot of pressure to look like the people on Instagram and go, you know, yeah. I had I have, I have one daughter who says, uh we don't do anything, you know, we need to do something more exciting. She wants Instagram posts or something like that. And so we have to have these conversations. So I, I think it's helpful. Well, the, the one, there's one point you make in it. Um, you say, don't encourage a bully. And you say, if you're laughing along with a bully, making fun of someone else, you're a bully too. Uh, one of the things that I've seen too, and this, this is a reality. I'm just going to call it out. This is not just for kids, by the way. There's a lot of this going on. In, oh in, yeah. There's lots of this going on in education. And uh, I actually just don't, I don't, to be honest, yeah, I don't have time for it. And yeah. sometimes I'm like, dude, I'm like a 50 year old dad. Like, like, I don't like, <laughs> I got other stuff to worry about than this, this part. And when someone like people, I know when someone says something really nasty and then other people go and like it. Yeah. That's also encouraging. Right. And it's like, you know, I've seen some stuff written about people, friends of mine, and then watching other people go like it. I'm yeah. like, you're just, and I just don't have time for people like that. Cause it's like, that you, really hurts. And, and yeah. a lot of times, a lot of times they'll say this and they're like, they'll, but then you'll see bullying behaviors. Right. Cause a lot of times people think, well, I'm right. So I'm just kind of standing up. No, you're, you're actually being a bully. Even, you know, there's better ways you can communicate with people, but you know, attacking someone, um, yeah. this isn't about being mean. And I think that's, so I, I really appreciated that you shared this. And I, one of the things I really, really agree with you. And I think is that, I'm not really big on the notion of anti-bullying because I think when you say it's kind of, um, uh, Michelle Baldwin is a good friend of mine. She told me this once and I know she got it from somewhere and I, I don't, I don't know where she said, it's really hard to, uh, get people to not think about something. So when you're thinking about anti-bullying, you often put bullying in the, 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 
the um, in the head of people. Yeah. And she gave an example. Said if I told you, don't think of an elephant. What do you think of? An right. elephant. Right. right. And so, so really, the the what you said, and I totally agree with, and I've been sharing about this forever. Is really, we shouldn't be focused on anti-bullying. We should be focused on leadership. Yeah. Really, how do we get you know people to you know, move forward to look at those things. And I, I think it's, you know, if you talk about anti-bullying, the best result of that behavior is please don't be horrible. <laughs> That's, right. As long as you're not horrible, we're good. Right. Be a good right. human. Yeah. Right. As opposed you know, to leadership George, going, going further. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the first words out of my mouth. Sometimes I get invited to speak um, on this very presentation. And my first words are, this is not a bullying presentation. And yeah. that's exactly what I say. This is a leadership presentation mm. and um, it's about leading yourself personally. Mm. And it's about becoming a leader in your organization or your community things. So be, being that. better humans. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So t I know you, how you've been doing the wired educator for a while. How, how has that process, you know, that podcast how has that like evolved over time? Because I, I actually would say um, you were one of the first educators that I remember having a podcast. Like you started this oh, long. Wow. And I actually started mine in 2020. And we were talking about this before the podcast, but I didn't yeah. start it because of COVID. Because I think a lot right. of people just started. I actually started it before. Now it evolved since COVID. Um, yeah. I remember actually, oh, like it was so hard for me to record. And not not like not the technical aspect, but just talking. And I was like, Oh my God. And I, I was just really, and now I feel comfortable doing it and you know, I'll do solo podcasts, things like that too. But how, how is that? Like, how has the podcast evolved for you um, over the years? Like what, what has changed from like when you first started doing it to what it is today? Sure. Um, the wired educator podcast started completely by accident. I ran into an educator named Chris Tolley out of Philadelphia who was talking about a subject that I still don't have a lot of interest in. Uh, it's, it's career tech, but I loved the way he was talking about it. And I loved his enthusiasm and passion for education. He could have been talking about, you know, foam rubber or something, but the way he was talking about it was so exciting. I knew that educators in my district needed to hear his passion for education. So I interviewed him and then uh, something tragic happened to Chris and uh, I actually interviewed him on YouTube. It was a video. Mm. And um, Chris Chris had some mental wellness challenges and stuff. And we lost Chris in the community. And I had people reach out to me uh, uh, remembering that I did that interview with him. And, and so I thought to myself, there's so many amazing educators with amazing stories uh, that I want to archive them and share them out and celebrate and promote them to the world. And so I'm kind of a collector, a hunter, if you will. Uh, I look for stories of educators that I believe need to be shared, archived, uh, and promoted. Um, sometimes they're really famous. I got to interview Jim Trestle. He was, uh, um, you know, national champion football coach for the Ohio State Buckeyes. <laughs> but a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people don't know he wow. was a middle school teacher, and that's what we talk about. We talk really? about him being a middle school teacher. Yeah. Um, you know, another one's Seth Godin. You know, like uh, one of the a great you know New York Times bestselling author. But we talk about uh, you know his his, uh, not attack, but his challenge to current education and things. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they don't have to be famous either. Um, there was a, a young lady who posted on Twitter that uh, she was going to have her first observation 
on Zoom during the pandemic. Right. And so I reached out to her and I said, man, I got to talk to you about this, you know, because she was really nervous about it. And so it can be just, you know, your everyday educator in the classroom who's doing great things or someone who's written a book or anywhere in between. I look for stories. I look for um, people doing interesting things in education that I think others need to hear. And so I'm a pretty good conversationalist. I, I try to dig in and uh, get them to share their story. And it, it, it's really fascinating. I, I learn and grow. I feel my district learns and grows. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a great one coming up. Her name is Jordan Zimmerman. She just met the president. Um, she's autistic. She is uh, until 18 years of age. She really didn't have a form of communication. And now she's an Apple distinguished educator. She traveled to Ireland to speak. She's writing the, uh, she's writing the, the uh, curriculum for autistic students all around the world. And she's a, a amazing speaker. She uses an iPad for as her communication tool. I can't wait to share that one out. It's going to be a really unique uh, interview, but these are powerful stories. And, you know, how does a, a educator in Port Clinton, Ohio, uh, in a small school like that, get connected to some of these big stories? I, I hope my podcast can, can serve as that tool. So, yeah, you know, and that like when I started this podcast, I, I, I meant it was meant to be just me, just me talking for like 10 minutes or whatever. And how it evolved during COVID was it, I was like, Oh God, this is, this is gonna be too much for me. Like I gotta get other people. Yeah. And then I started, you know, interviewing people and I feel that through the process and, you know, as we were prepping, I always say to people, you don't have to prep anything. I'm going to ask you, you know, some questions. Uh, based on what you tell me about what you do. And, you know, like you see me sometimes writing notes and stuff like that. I feel it's really improved my listening skills, yeah. um, my conversation skills and actually going through that process. So this is not just about, um, and I think part of it too, is I, it doesn't make me really, I'm not really worried about views, listens and all the other stuff. I use mm-hmm. this space as a way for me to grow and get better from talking to people like yourself and to grow. And if someone can learn and benefit from that as well, even better. So that, that's something. And so I really enjoyed talking to you today. Um, Kelly, it's been awesome. And so I, here's what I'm going to challenge people to do. Um, think about like what you can start because of this, right? Cause Kelly and I were talking about, um, his blog, you know, stuff he's created over the years. Um, but you know, I'd love to hear from you in the comments, maybe post on Instagram, something let's hear from you. Some of your takeaways from this, because I think that's where some of the best learning happens. I encourage you to check out Kelly's website, um, check out his podcast and check out his book, Unthink Before Bed, a children's book on mindfulness. All of that will be linked in the description wherever you're listening or watching this. But Kelly, thanks for being on the podcast. It was wonderful to have you on and just sit and chat and catch up. All right. It's an honor. I loved it. Thanks, George. Thanks, brother. All right. Have a good day, everyone. Take care.